I greet you in Lord's holy name. I consider it a real privilege of uh, sharing God's word. And we have started a study from the book of Mark in this week. Let's pray that God will uh, minister to us as we are going to study the life, the teaching, and uh, the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus from Mark's perspective. I requested uh, Rosalinaka from Bhuvaneshwar to lead us in prayer. She attends our Bible study regularly. I'm very much humbled and the way in which uh, she supports uh, us in praying and uh, encouraging us. And uh, Akka will lead us in prayer now. Okay. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful time of fellowship where we have you in our midst. And thank you for the Holy Spirit and for the word that you are going to break and, and uh, feed us. Thank you for this book of Mark that we are going to have as a study, Father God. Thank you for giving this book to us. And there is so much that we need to learn. And I pray, Father God, that you will correct all our misunderstandings, wrong understandings, and give us a clarified uh, understanding from this book, Father God. I, I thank you and pray, uh, praise you, Father God, for you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. What you did in that we see in the book of Mark, you do it even in our lives today, Father God, and let the truth speak to us and mm. uh, and uh, revive us. Father mm. God, I pray and commit this uh, study that we are going to start from today and mm. be with us in the whole series mm. of studies from this book. I commit this time into your hands and I pray that uh, your word come with a special anointing and speak into our, uh, to us at mm. this moment. And I thank you for Brother Willie, Father God, for he has taken this um, joyful responsibility of uh, sharing with us in our fellowship. Mm. And I thank you and praise you for what you are doing in our lives, in our midst, mm. individually and corporately. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Akka, for your prayers. Uh, thank you. Uh, we have... Uh, regular quiz on Monday as we start a new series. Uh, I, I don't expect you to send me the answers, but I'm humbled the way in which the sisters, uh, two of them could write down and somebody could type out and then answers to me. I am uh, so much thrilled. Uh, I only wish that uh, this quiz will help us to know uh, how much we remember. Uh, today, I'm going to uh, some 10 questions from the prophetical books, what we have seen thus far. Uh, which book was uh, focusing on worry to worship? Very easy. Second one is very, very easy. Which book has only one chapter? Uh, what are the three books known as post-exilic prophetical books? What are the three books known as post-exilic prophetical books? Give reference to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You must know this reference. Second one, 
but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like one more reference the righteous live by faith i feel that after we say that uh, i have studied prophetical books we need to know the references for at least for these three verses to whom god said i will make you my signet ring for i have chosen you mention at least four books which come under 8th century prophets at least four books under 8th century prophets how many visions almost add last but it is not least very important question what is that what is a famous phrase mostly used by the old testament prophets the famous phrase in the old testament prophecies what is that phrase i don't know how many marks you got it but it's uh, important as we look at the prophetical books why mark gospel i'm really thankful to my brothers and sisters who are constantly encouraging me and somebody told me that uh, we have to finish all the prophetical books he's a medical doctor he attends uh, tamil fellowship regularly i am really humbled the way in which uh, he attends midst of his very busy schedule last week he was in covid uh, uh, ward he couldn't come but today he was there in the tamil fellowship and he is very keen that we will finish all the prophetical books like that uh, my brothers and sisters they give uh, inputs somebody has suggested uh, esther another person is very waiting eagerly waiting for book of hebrews like that and somebody suggested mark i'm excited uh, why i have chosen mark for this week after studying the day of the lord from sephania's perspective and from almost perspective it's uh, good to see the first coming of the lord we know that old testament prophets are talking about a futuristic one the day of the lord is going to come and uh, from new testament point of view we know that it's yet to come some of the prophecies are yet to come in the second coming of the lord it's going to happen but definitely in the first coming of the lord most of the prophe- pro- prophecies of the prophetical books are fulfilled so it's good for us to study the gospels as we are in the beginning of this academic year it's good to prepare us to share the gospel this evening i joined with usatn evangelism action groups uh, seminar they have four days seminar through zoom almost 200 people are participating excited to see the whole state is represented very well with students graduates and senior graduates staff and uh, the co- the secretary of the evangelism action group in the introduction he told us that as we are in the beginning of the academic year we are all keen to keep two or three months for uh, uh, sharing the gospel it's true because of corona uh, the active participation of students in personal evangelism and involving in the campuses it's a bit uh, a challenge even otherwise uh, we see that our students are committed to share the gospel in the beginning of the academic year mark gospel is a classical one 
if you have a new group and a simple group, go for Mark Gospel. It is uh, for evangelistic Bible study. It's an excellent book. And also, it's believed that Mark Gospel was the first one to be written among these four Gospels. We are going to look at the context a little later, but we need to know that uh, before we study the uh, Luke and uh, Matthew, surely we have to study the Mark Gospel so that we have a very good base. That's also one of the reasons we wanted to have Mark Gospel for this week. Uh, it's very clearly and simply it is uh, uh, communicated here about the Gospels and the focus. I thank Vadivel for helping me to have this uh, slides uh, beautifully done. Uh, Jesus is uh, portrayed as a king by Matthew, as a servant by Mark, as a son of man by Luke, and uh, as a son of God by John. They have a clear-cut audience before them as they write the Gospels. Matthew has written this Gospel basically to minister to the Jews. Mark was in Rome when he was writing, and it's basically for Romans. And Luke, being a Gentile, he's the only Gentile writer in the New Testament, and he's focusing on the Greeks. And his writing is uh, really catering to the needs of the Gentile background, especially the Greek, people from Greek background. John, the last one, by then the church was established and uh, the cult group started coming and they have to have a strong message about eternal life. And John is focusing on the Christians. The style, a uh, little clear. Matthew is more of a teacher and Mark is more of a preacher. And Luke, very clear, historian. Both his uh, gospel and also the Acts of the Apostle, he writes very meticulously the historical part of it. John as a theologian. Their emphasis is uh, Matthew more of sermons. You know that he has written to the Jews and for Jews, the five testaments, they call it as Torah, the first uh, five books of the Old Testament. For them, it's so important. And Matthew keeps that idea and he has written five sermons. Started from chapter 5, 6, 7 as one sermon. Like that, there are five sermons in the book of Matthew. But uh, Mark is action-oriented man. He's filled with miracles. And Luke, more of parables and teachings of Jesus. And uh, John, clear-cut doctrinal teachings. That's a way we could see a broad outline or difference between these four gospel writers. But they're all writing about the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this Mark? First time it is recorded by name in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. John Mark, his mother, Mary, may be an uh, influential person. And in their house, the group of people are meeting and crying out to the, unto the Lord as Peter is uh, in the prison. And miraculously, Peter was escaped from the prison. And as he was coming, 
he came directly to Mark's house. That's what we read in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. That shows that Mark was from an influential Christian background. Later, we see that he has joined with Barnabas, who is also a relative for Mark, and Paul in their first missionary journey. But it's very unfortunate that he has backslidden. He has uh, went away from them in the first journey. And as Barnabas and Paul are getting ready for the second missionary journey that we read in Acts 15 chapter, but he has to, Mark has to travel with Barnabas as there was a big fight between Barnabas and Paul in terms of this gentleman, John Mark. And there's a severe misunderstanding among great leaders because of this one fellow that is Mark. Let me stop here and let me talk to you about uh, a backslidden brother in our fellowship or a problematic brother or a sister in our family or in our church, in our fellowship. John Mark, typical, typical. Because of him, great leaders like Barnabas and Paul have to depart. Another thing is, even when people like Paul could reject John Mark, there was one mentor, a great man, Barnabas, could take him and go with him. We do not know what has happened after that, wherever they went and what are the ministries they involved. We do not know anything about it. But we know one thing very clear, Barnabas has ministered to this backslidden brother, John Mark. Even Paul could write in his last letter, that is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, he says, later, Paul could say that John Mark is very useful in his ministry. Where did he meet? Of course, this book, 2 Timothy was written from Romans. In that way, he might have met John Mark there, and he was very useful to him in the ministry there. My brothers and sisters, I do not know. None of you are like John Mark backslidden, and you are a problematic uh, brother or sister in the fellowship, but uh, you may definitely meet some John Marks in your fellowship, maybe a sister, maybe a brother who has backslidden. And because of him, there's a fight between staff worker and graduate. Because of him in the church, uh, there's a fight between committee members and uh, pastor. Many things are happening because of one fellow. And uh, why don't you be like Barnabas and mentor him, mentor her, and uh, make use of that uh, backslidden brother as a very useful minister of God. John Mark is the one. And God, in his mercy, helped him to write the first gospel. Thank God for his grace and also thank God for a person like Barnabas. In our fellowship, we need more and more Barnabases, definitely, to have more gospel writers more gospel preachers, more John Marks to be risen from our uh, uh, fellowships through the ministry of mentors. And also I have to mention about uh, John Mark 
in 14th chapter verses 15 and 51 and 52 he writes about one young man ran away it says naked but it is half naked that's the way i look at it because he has just left his uh, upper gar- garment and ran away when jesus was there in the trial why did he write of course he didn't mention his name good thing but it's definitely we know that it's uh, uh, mark himself is writing about his testimony one thing the commentator say very nicely that shows john mark wanted to affirm the gospel is true because i myself have seen jesus suffered like anything the way, the the way in which he was uh, facing the persecution from uh, the uh, jewish leaders and later from uh, the roman uh, people roman empires and he could say very clearly i was i have a, i was an eyewitness for his persecution that's one thing that's the reason confidently passionately he can write this gospel the context of mark the first point is uh, by then most probably just little after 60 ad mark could have written this gospel by then many of the eye witnesses of uh, jesus like people were there they know jesus they were blessed by his uh, uh, eating among the 5000 people and there were people who are healed and there are many miracles happen in jesus time many of them who are just passing away and uh, definitely the oral tradition is not enough there should be a written uh, letter uh, there should be a written article even in our own time a typical example is uh, those who are living in uh, independence time most of us are not here and others uh, are, i think at least our parents from our grandparents would have heard stories about them now on august 15th when we have the flag hoisting we simply uh, stand up or we sing a national anthem or salute to the flag but uh, no tears no uh, feelings but when you look at our own grandparents and elderly people my goodness on the independence day i myself have seen uh my brother co brother uh, in our family he is the eldest during republic day and during independence day so uh, his children will be uh, joking at him because he will be sitting and crying by looking at the flag hoisting in the tv program that's the way it was a moving uh, experience for him to be getting the deliverance from the bondage the nation was uh, having independence so he was joyful so same thing when the history is rotating maybe 30 years later 40 years later the second generation has come and nobody is bothered about it they have celebrations they may have uh, some sort of a uh, nice sweets will be given and things like that but they don't have any feeling of that happen so mark has to write uh, the gospel for that need second thing is in the early church by then other writings have come marcus is not the first uh, first uh, new testament book almost 10 years back itself galatians have come the book of galatians book of james has come first thessalonians has come second thessalonians has come all this uh, uh, epistles have come 
So people have other writings, but they don't have a proper uh, historical writing of the gospel of Lord's life, Lord's Christ, Jesus Christ's life. So that was a need. So Mark has written the gospel. Third one, it's very clearly shown that the influence of Peter on his life is very clear. While he was in Rome, we do not know in which context Mark has gone to Rome and with Peter. And uh, Peter is facing persecution under Nero. And anytime he may be killed. And Peter wanted to write the gospel through Mark. In that way, it's very clear that uh, Mark is a mouthpiece for Peter. This gospel is supposed to be the gospel according to Peter. But Mark is the one who has written. And before Peter passes away, he wanted to write. The persecution from Nero was increasing. We know by AD 70, everything has collapsed, including the Jerusalem church. So there was a real need for the gospel writing. And Mark gospel, we need to really thank God. As Akka has thanked God, we, re we really thank God for John Mark's conversion and John Mark's commitment to write and John Mark's humility to be a mouthpiece for Peter to write this lovely book. Not only that, the political climate also was unstable and violent. As I said, uh, the Roman empires are really making a big arc in the whole area. Palestine was affected, Judea was affected, Jerusalem has gone. And even other areas, Asia Minor, and everywhere, there's a problem. The political climate was very bad. And uh, gospel uh, writers are writing about the great life of Jesus that motivates people to think of faith in Christ Jesus. Think of uh, committing the life for God. My brothers and sisters, why do I spend this much time to talk about this background? We also live in this condition. Some of you, you are facing a persecution. Some of you are under this political climate is very bad in your own state, in our country, things like that. We need a gospel, not only an exhortation from Peter, James, and uh, the writer of Hebrews. We need a gospel writing. So I said, amen to prayer to Akka, because we need to have the, such a powerful gospels in our time. My dear brothers and sisters, they make note of it. Secondly, why do I stress this point? Because when the situations are bad, you, you don't need to rewrite the gospel, but live out the gospel. You don't need to write a gospel according to you. Uh, there is a famous preacher in uh, Delhi, and he says, you are the fifth gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were the four gospels. You are the fifth gospel. Many of them don't have an opportunity to read other four gospels, but people can read your life as a gospel. So uh, we need to really thank God for uh, uh, the gospel writers that we need to uh, pray that we need to pray that uh, uh, gospel writing is very much needed through our living, and people should uh, see the gospel around. Let's uh, uh, go.
when we look at Mark's writings, we, we know that uh, along with Matthew and Luke, it is known as a synoptic gospel. Synoptic simply means viewed together. John viewed differently. As I said, it is for the uh, Christian background. And by then, the church is affected with cultic groups, Gnosticism and others. So his writing was very clear, uh, different. These three writers, they viewed together. So it's known as synaptic gospels. There are many, many unity, but there are some differences. One gospel says that uh, one blind man and others would say that there are two blind men. Like that, there are some challenges are there that we need to study separately. But the synaptic gospels, they viewed together from uh, their own perspective for their audience they have written. As we know that Mark is least bothered about the birth and uh, the growth of Jesus in his early age. Matthew and Luke complemented that. There are some differences, but definitely it's known as a synaptic gospel. And secondly, we see that there are 18 miracles of Jesus is highlighted in this book, small gospel of 16 chapters, but only four parables are indicated. That means Christ's work is more important than Christ's words for Mark. He's a servant. That's what he's looking for. And he says, Jesus Christ is active in doing things. That's the reason somebody has said, uh, Mark gospel is, should be known as an action-packed gospel. 47 times it is mentioned, uh, the word immediately. I have to thank uh, Rosalie Naka for sending that Tamil material produced by TWR. I wish that in other languages also you can find out. The one who has uh, led the Bible study for Mark's Gospels, he says, uh, Mark is using words, more than 1,000 words, which are action-oriented words. My God, look at that. More than 1,000 words in 16 chapters. That means... Mark wanted to see the work of Jesus very important. And ultimately, Mark presents God's activity through Jesus to reform and transform his people. That is gospel. That is gospel. We see that Jesus come as a message. He became a sacrifice and he uh, transforms the life of individuals and he reforms a God-given community. The main message of Mark Gospel could be condensed in one phrase that is Mark chapter, 40, chapter 10 verse 45 even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve. Even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve. As I said earlier, Mark is looking at Jesus as a servant and uh, the whole book is revolved with this verse. Jesus has come to serve and he has given his life as a ransom price for that sake. When we look at uh, this broad outline of this book, we can divide this book into four paragraphs. Or four, uh, the broad outline is like that. Up to chapter 8, verse 30, 
the ministry of Jesus in Galilee is highlighted. 831 to 1052, we can see that Jesus paths towards his passion, travel towards Jerusalem. And chapter 11, verses 1 to 15 is Jesus in Jerusalem. And the last chapter talked about the resurrection of Jesus. God willing, tomorrow we are going to look at the passage till 8.30, Jesus in Galilee. Otherwise, uh, according to Open Bible, he says three years of Jesus' ministry is highlighted in this passage. God willing, on Wednesday, we are going to look at the second paragraph, the second big passage, chapter 8, verse 31 to till chapter 10, is on the path towards uh, his passion. Very classical passage for Christian discipleship. And third one, uh, that second one is for six months period of time. Open Bible highlights like that. But the third passage, chapter 11 to 16, it is only eight days of Jesus' life in this world. Just eight days of Jesus' life in this world. Three years, six months, and eight days. That's the way the gospel writers are giving more importance to the last week of Jesus' life in this world. Let's study a little later about that perspective. As normally I say in book study, I like to have paragraphs. As one more Bible commentators have seven paragraphs, I thought I need to highlight that also. There are seven paragraphs, mostly in two categories. One is ministry in Galilee and another one is ministry in Judea. But I want you to be excited about uh, reading the whole book together as Mark, uh, Mark's gospel. This evening, we are going to look at uh, a, a small passage that's uh, almost like an introduction. In fact, many of the Bible commentators say that uh, 1 to 13 is an introduction. But I want to cover 14 and 15 also so that, God willing, tomorrow we will start from the ministry from Galilee. And I requested uh, their uh, Anubudi from Ranchi. EU, as we know that uh, she's a student, go read, Anu. Yes, uncle. You can, you can read. Okay, uncle. Reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts, and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, 
the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anu. It's a lovely reading. When we look at uh, the map, we can understand the uh, background of uh, the crucial time of Jesus' birth. Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem. And as they have come, the babe, Jesus was born and they were forced to go to Egypt. Look at the place, how much distance they have gone. And they were there in Egypt for two years. And after that, from Egypt, instead of going back to Bethlehem or Jerusalem, they went to northern part, that is Galilee, Nazareth in Galilee. So they were in Galilee. And that's the way the family was moving. And Jesus was growing in Nazareth. Of course, this is not highlighted in the book of Mark, but I just want you to have the things happen. And why Mark is not interested in uh, the birth of Jesus, we don't know. Maybe one reason is they know very clearly he didn't feel like uh, writing this. Most of the commentators say that he wanted to write a simple uh, action-oriented gospel. In that way, he starts from Jesus' ministry. Just before that, part of his introduction is uh, the ministry of John the Baptist. When we look at verse uh, 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in prophets, some of the Authorized versions say, and NIV says, in, uh, written in Isaiah the prophet, because the first saying is from Malachi, not from Isaiah. We all know that uh, Malachi, 400 years back, he has written this uh, prophecy. And after that, there is no revelation. God was not active. Yes, God was not active in terms of revealing his plans to his people. As uh, Malachi has uh, prophesied, Elijah will come and he will prepare the way for the day of the Lord. And John the Baptist has come. So Mark is interested in how the servant is prepared or how the ministry of uh, the servant is ready as the prophets have mentioned. And also 
we see that in Isaiah chapter 42, it is known as a servant song. Chapter 42, verse 1 onwards, I'll read for you. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bluish reed he will not break and a smothering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. And uh, the song continues. This is clearly is highlighted by Mark in the first paragraph. Jesus was prophesied that he's going to come as a servant, God's chosen servant. And before him, a foreigner has to come. And uh, we have many things to talk about John the Baptist. But let me highlight one or two things. His lifestyle was completely different. I don't think uh, he's saying that uh, uh, you have to eat like that and dress like that. But uh, that is uh, his calling and that's the way he uh, lived. But one thing is very clear. He was an extraordinary, uh, uh, powerful in terms of his lifestyle and his message. As I said, when we are looking at John's gospel, most of us think that John the Baptist was a very elderly man with a big bird and he was a very elderly man, something like a cranky man coming from a desert. Not at all, not at all. He was a young man. He was in his prime youth, maybe 30. I would consider youth up to 35. And John, the Baptist was 30. That time, uh, less than 30, that time he has started his ministry as a forerunner of the servant of the Lord. Secondly, about baptism. Normally in our EU and EGF meetings, we don't talk much about baptism, basically because it's an interdenominational organization and uh, uh, we, we are from different church background. I'm sure that even in this uh, group, we have from different church backgrounds. And my, uh, at the outset, I want to tell you that according to your church background, you be faithful to the commitment of the baptism. Whatever you do, do it sincerely. Baptism is a mode. Baptism will not lead you to salvation. You cannot simply say that because I'm baptized, I'm a believer. Not at all. You have to be a believer. And also, it is an outward symbol, outward sign of an inward grace. You are saved. That is important. Even John the Baptist says like this, I am giving you baptism only in water, but the one who is coming behind me is giving, giving baptism in spirit, Holy Spirit. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. As if he says, my baptism is not important. That's his baptism is important. So whatever uh, church background you are coming from, do it faithfully. There is no second baptism and third baptism. And some of my friends have taken seven baptisms. That's very unfortunate. Confused, utterly confused. I want none of you to be confused. And also, I want you to say that uh, 
Jesus has taken baptism, so we have to take baptism. Only in 30 years old we have to take, not at all. That's also not a right uh, approach. On the eighth day, Jesus was uh, uh, circumcised. None of us are circumcised. If you want to follow Christ clearly, then uh, first have circumcision and then have baptism. So there are arguments. I'm not saying this, which is right and which, are, which is wrong, but I just wanted to say that unnecessarily don't be confused. Baptism, it's an outward symbol of inward grace. And even John the Baptist, Baptist has taken this example from the Qumran community. AD 160 and 170, there was a remnant group faithful to the Lord. They have uh, a system called bringing the people inside the community. When somebody says, I want to leave every worldly pleasures and I want to say no to the evil one and I want to be part of your community, they will put sand on their hand. It's something like a sprinkling of sand on them that shows that you are no more with the world, you are part of our community. And John the Baptist, instead of pouring sand, he's pouring or uh, he's using water for the baptism. But the important thing is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, where Paul talks about baptism. That is the very important verse for baptism. Of course, people quote many verses, but you cannot afford to miss this verse. It is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. I'll read for you. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Very, very important verse. Nowadays, baptism is dividing us. But actually, baptism should unite us. There is no Jews or Gentiles, no slaves or free. We already talked about it when we looked at First uh, John. There should, there should not be any difference between us. We are all part of one family. The denomination is a curse. It's very sad. And within the denomination, there are many, many divisions. They proudly say that they are baptized, but uh, they don't live together like this. In one body, with one Holy Spirit, we are united together in Christ Jesus. That is the real baptism. That leads us to the other important point on temptation of Jesus. Temptation of Jesus, Mark has written only in two verses. The Holy Spirit has taken him to the desert and there he lived with animals and devil has tempted him. That's what it is written. But we all know that Matthew and Luke are giving the extended version of the temptation of the Lord. There we know that when he was there on 40 days, the devil was confronting him in three areas of his life. Almost like what we saw in 1 John. And Jesus could confront him with God's word. And that also, uh, devil quotes God's word. That's how true it is. Devil is quoting God's word. 
and Jesus has to confront him with the right interpretation of God's word. Two or three important things. If Jesus is tempted, we also have to face temptation. It's a reality. As long as we live in this world, the devil wanted to tempt us. And devil comes and says, you are a child of God. To Jesus, he said, you are a son of, if you are a son of God. And to you, he will come and say, you are a new member. You are a rest of you. You are from that church background. Like that, there are many, many things. He will talk to you directly about uh, as he talked with uh, Jesus. That's one thing. And another thing is, God's word is very, very important. Jesus could overcome the temptation with the help of the, with the, with the, help of the Holy Spirit and through God's word. That is the reason the psalmist in Psalm 119, he says, when I keep your word in my heart, I can be away from falling into sin. How true it is. Psalm 119 verse 10. We but Uh, Anna, I'm going to voice cake. Now? Hello? Now? Hello? Hello? Today we had a real challenge with internet. Then we have to restart. But will is controlling, but we have to restart. You got a phone call. That's the reason. Okay. Now the screen is up. Okay, what you will thank you. Yeah. Uh, my brothers and sisters, please pray for internet connection. This evening I was using net for another program in USIT and evangelism workshop. I have my challenges uh, with the net. Please pray. We are uh, applied for uh, broadband. Soon we have to have the connection. Thank you. I'm sorry for the inter uh, interruption. Thank you, what you will for the help. The temptation is real. And God's word definitely should help us. That's what we looked at last. Verses 14 and 15. Why did I include here? 
it is very clear that Jesus has entered into Galilee. And tomorrow we are going to continue the ministry uh, of Jesus in Galilee. But here we see that uh, proclaiming the good news of God and the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. That is the first preaching of Jesus Mark is highlighting. Other gospel writers are writing differently, but Mark writes in a very crucial way. I really like it. That's the reason I have titled, I titled these two verses, The Vision of the Servant. His vision statement is very clear. He says, the kingdom of God is near. By my coming, the kingdom has come. Other way, we have to write like this. The kingdom has come. And in New Testament, especially in Gospels, when we read, there is another thought is coming very forcefully. The kingdom of God is yet to come. There are some uh, parables that 10 virgins are waiting for the bridegroom to come. They have to wait for uh, the bridegroom. The kingdom is yet to come. So there is a, a clear-cut message by the first coming of the Lord, the kingdom has come. And Mark wanted to communicate that message very clearly. At the same time, he is talking about, later we are going to see, the kingdom is yet to come. That thought also from the mouth of Jesus is taking. That is the second coming of the Lord when the whole world uh, is going to come under the rule of God. Devil will be under bondage. So the vision of Jesus is very clear. Number two, as he was proclaiming the good news, what he says, he says, repent and believe the good news. That also I wanted to underline. Repent and believe is in our hands. It should go together. Some people repent, but they don't believe. And many people believe, but they don't repent. You see the difference? They believe that Jesus is a good Messiah. Jesus is a good Lord. And Jesus lived a holy life. Jesus has come for myself. Many things they can say. As Mahatma Gandhi said very nicely, Jesus was a only Christian. I know. And he lived a beautiful life. And Mahatma Gandhi uh, was so happy to sing this uh, song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. What a song it is. Mahatma Gandhi's very famous, famous, very favorite song. And Mahatma Gandhi, whenever he's down, he will read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In the Bible, only three, three chapters, he likes it very like, very closely. What does it mean? Jesus is taken. But repentance, we do not know. We do not know. There are many, many people like that. They believe that Jesus has come, and that is a good news, but they don't repent. And others, they repent, but they don't really believe or accept the good news. That's what a big concern I have. In the churches, the way in which they pray to God and the way in which they uh, say, but they don't live such a life. What sort of a, a gospel transformation has happened in their life, it is not there. So I wanted to highlight here, verse 14 and 15 is very important as a beginning of Jesus' ministry, 
his vision is clear and his calling is very clear come to the kingdom of god and be part of kingdom don't be the kingdom of devil don't be part of the world be the uh, person of the kingdom matthew 6:33 says very clearly seek the kingdom uh, god's kingdom and his righteousness and mark starts from that message and we need to repent and believe the good news that's what we read in the passage what is the gospel as we read here the good news paul could write very clearly in first corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 5 we read i'll read first two verses now brothers and sisters i want to remind you of the gospel i preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand verse 2 by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word i preached to you otherwise you have believed in vain verse 3 onwards he says what is that gospel that is nothing but jesus has come into this world according to the prophecies and he died lived died and was risen and we have seen him that is a gospel so the gospel if you want to have a right understanding you have to go to first corinthians chapter 15 nowadays gospel is diluted like anything and health and wealth gospel is there if you accept christ you will have very good health and you will have very good wealth and no problem at all i don't know what they are going to do with the covid 19 now though those gospel writer those type of gospel preachers and now they have started slowly saying that uh, second coming is coming uh, second coming is going to come very soon you will be ready for that one so th- that's one gospel and even we ourselves can dilute the gospel instead of saying the good news of lord jesus they can use our own stories and our own own subjective way of preaching the gospel not at all mark gospel is so good for us to understand what it really means let's continue our study in this week before i be close we'll have this uh, three questions as usual number 1 i am really concerned about the over familiarity that's a real problem with uh, knowing christ and using the gospels some of us may consider the gospels as very very familiar if it is a prophetical books wow we have to study because that's a, that i do not know but gospels i know everything that type of a over familiarity can come to us and i know that some of you are from uh, other faith very recently accepted christ how much you love to study the mark gospel but some for some of us we may not be excited to study the mark gospel maybe other books may be better like that we can think i warn you brothers and sisters maybe after leading a christian life for 40 years 30 years or 20 years don't take gospel writing lightly second one in our context how we are going to share the uniqueness of christ to others very important in our context people accept jesus as one of the gods and one of a good man and a very good teacher and all sorts of things after we look at the book of mark we need to come out with a clear cut message of talking about the uniqueness of jesus christ to others third one very important 
in this passage, like Jesus, do I have a clear-cut vision for my existence? See, mission, tomorrow we are going to see. What all Jesus did for this vision is different. So vision is different and mission is different. We normally confuse with that. Mission is what we do. Vision, God's kingdom should come. That was a vision Jesus had. What is your vision for living in this world? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying the gospel according to Mark. We thank you for his life. Even a backslidden brother could come back and be a blessing to Paul and not only that, who could write the first gospel. There is a hope for people who can come back. And even in our own fellowship, there are sisters and brothers like John Mark. Help me and help us to bring them back. Father, we thank you for his lovely writing from the help of Peter, though it's a very simple uh, writing, uh, the way in which he highlights Jesus, it's an extreme uh, good model for all of us to follow. Help me and help us to take it. Father, we thank you for the big message he has left that Jesus had a vision. For that vision, he was doing the ministry. Help me and help us to have a vision for our life and to work towards it. To that end, we commit all of us into the mighty hand. Continue to minister to us, O God as we will continue our study from this book. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Sorry for the interruption.